0: Welcome to the Chicago Golf Report Podcast, brought to you by ChicagoGolfReport.com, covering everything golf in Chicago.
1: Our guest this episode is the owner of Misswood Golf Club, Jim McWethy. You can learn more about Misswood Golf Club in Romeoville at mistwoodgc.com. Great. So let's uh, – why don't we begin with talking a little bit about um, kind of your background and, and how did you get involved with golf and, you know, huh. being involved well, with Mistwood?
0: Yeah. I mean, it goes way back, of course, to learning how to play golf when I was 10, 11, 12 years old and always loved it, played in high school, played in college, uh, was never great, probably not even would I be called good, but uh, I've loved the game. Uh, Back uh, in the oh my gosh, in the mid 1990s, uh, through various business connections, I was invited to become uh, one of the investors in Mistwood when it was built. In fact, it was the uh, the Barstead family. I knew them because they were uh, uh, our landlord from a business that my family owned uh, uh, and sold in the early 1990s. So I knew the family, and they extended an offer to me to invest. Uh, not just in building a course in Romeoville, but in a course they had already built, uh, up in, I think it was Lake Ann, Michigan, by a, a strange name, Mistwood. Uh, so I was, I became a, uh, became a part owner, minority owner in both those golf courses. Uh, the course here, uh, began to struggle shortly after it opened. And in 2003, after Quite a bit of legal work, nothing nothing bad, but it took a while for me to become the uh, the sole owner of Mistwood. It meant, it meant buying the mortgage and foreclosing and made the, ro- the lawyers rich, but uh, made it expensive for me. So all of a sudden in 2003, uh, I fulfilled my life's dream. I own a golf course. And of course, the question is, okay, now I fulfilled the dream, now what am I going to do uh, with it? And... Uh, Uh, I have a, maybe it's a personality flaw, I don't know if it's good or bad, but I always strive for perfection, and there were just things that I saw about the course that I knew needed to be addressed, Uh, issues like drainage and uh, uh, bad soil in some areas, so we began to improve the course, went along and along, and uh, I'm not sure how much detail you need, but um, we were going to build a new clubhouse uh, about six or seven years ago, and then uh, our architect, Ray Hearn, uh, informed me after we'd already got it pretty well designed and ready to build that it was too close to the uh, number three green and was going to get just peppered, and he was right. So we decided, well, let's move that green, and then let's redesign the hole, and then I started thinking, I've always wanted to do a renovation of the course. Maybe we're going about this thing in the wrong sequence here uh, build a new clubhouse and then do the renovation of the course, or why don't we just do the renovation of the golf course? So we did. We, we pretty much put those plans on the, on the side and, uh, renovated the golf course along the way. We decided we wanted a place to hit balls in the winter. And that was, uh, before I owned uh McHugh's dome in, in Brook. And we decided we would build a, uh, well, just a, a pole building or something out, uh, So you could hit balls out of it, kind of like they do at COG in a number of places. Well, that that morphed into the Performance Center, uh, which turned out to be a spectacular uh, facility. And uh, so we had done the course, and we had done the uh, Performance Center. Then it came time to come back to the uh, plans for the new clubhouse, which the original plan was 33,000 square feet, and we decided to radically downsize that. Uh To probably twelve thousand square feet, but guess what do you think happened? <laughs> it crept it was then it got to sixteen thousand and then twenty thousand and it ended up at i believe twenty nine thousand only four thousand less than the original plan so but it, the new the new design was was far superior to the original one, so uh, i don't have any any regrets i did I did go to a lot of expense designing a building that never got built. But the final product, which I don't know if you've seen it yet or visited it yet, uh, you need to. Um, it's pretty nice. It's very nice.
1: Now so let's take a let's take a step back here and
0: just sure. to, to
1: to be honest with the course in in 2003 and and that you took over, um,
0: mm-hmm. this
1: was a very well respected course. You know, the original one that Ray Hearn designed, and then
0: absolutely, you know, you, absolutely. You,
1: you started to say, hey, you know, we have drainage issues, we have these things. To the average golfer, you know, unless you were Im- impacted by those smaller items, you were like, man, Miss Wood is a fantastic course.
0: Yeah, yeah, but then
1: you yeah. decided you wanted to make it better. Was it just that feeling, uh, like you said, your own passion to always be making things as best as they can, or did you, did you think that it was, um, you know, was it seriously affecting the sort of the business model of the course, you know, with the drainage issues and things like that?
0: Well, the renovation was one of those things. I guess it must be my personality. It starts out, started out as a very, very mild renovation. And uh, then we got talking with Ray Hearn, who uh, did the original design. And, it was, and there, yes, you're correct. The original design was extremely good, extremely good. But he had a bunch of ideas, and he said, well, there were a lot of things that I wanted to do in the first place, but the, the, my predecessors, uh, for financial reasons more than anything else, didn't want to do. And Ray had the idea of the uh, the stacked sod bunkers, uh, more mounding, uh, and a number of just refinements. You know, the basic course did not change. I mean, the routing is the same. Uh, The greens, we replaced a couple of greens because there was uh, serious drainage issues there, but that was before the renovation. That was something that was done standalone. So uh, Ray worked with us, and basically it was to a large extent it was refining his original design so it wasn't like i didn't like a hole it was more that uh ray came back and said this is what i really would like to have done uh if i had had a little more of a free hand in the beginning and for the most part we and and my staff which was an integral part of it uh agreed that all these things made the course better and more more pure scottish uh as you can kind of tell my name is mcwethy there's a little bit of scotland there uh so i uh that's that's the type of course that I prefer, the pure 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 traditional and pure Scottish courses. I don't like the new tricked up courses. I like the classic courses. So I'm not sure if that answered your question, but uh, it it was more refinements of of a design that was already. We took a I think we took an a minus design and made it an A plus design.
1: So when you got then back together with uh, Ray Hearn and you decide, yes, we're going to do this complete renovation of the course, did you have anything that you told him and said, this is the type of experience I want for the golfer, or you know, I want them to feel this, or was there anything kind of you shared from your your goal you know,
0: that you yeah. would like
1: I, golfers to experience?
0: Yeah, I, I think so. Um, it, it was uh, basically a, a very Scottish, very lynxy feel. Even though you know, we're not on the sea uh, and we don't go nine holes out and nine holes back, there's, we cannot call ourselves a Lynx course we can call ourselves a link style course and that that's what I really wanted it to be. And it, it turned out to be, there's more mounding. Uh, there's a lot of tall fescue. Uh, we redid almost all the bunkers, not just from a a design standpoint, but also from a drainage standpoint and a type of sand that we use. In fact, uh, I was playing while we were trying to decide what kind of sand to use. I had played Conway farms and I, I, I don't know how you can say you ever like sand but I liked the sand there. I hit a couple of shots out of it and I just loved the way it felt. And and naturally I had uh, good results from it. So I found out uh, what the type of sand was and brought that back to our superintendent. And we talked about it and uh, we decided to use it's like Wapaka steep faced or I may pronounce that wrong, but uh, it's a, it's a, it's how how do you say it? It doesn't wash out. I mean, if you have it on a 45 degree incline, and it rains; it doesn't all wash out. It somehow, with the shape of the crystals, uh, it kind of locks itself in place, and that's why I think it's called steep face. Uh, and it's an artificial sand; it's not something that they mine, something that, that's made, believe it or not. So, so oh, wow. again, I'm not sure if I answered the question, but <laughs> I, I wanted it to be Scottish links-style golf course, um, uh, minimal trees. The only the only trees we have, other than a few that we inherited. Are uh, They are mostly quality trees, and most of them are uh, coniferous trees. We have a number of Norway Norway spruce and a number of uh, different varieties of pine on there, but uh, we are certainly not a woodland-type golf course at all, or parkland, whichever term you want to use.
1: Are there any other golf courses that could be in the world that you experience? You mentioned Conway Farms. Are there any other courses mm-hmm. that kind of led you to, say, um, I would like some of this, or I would like some of that. Sort of courses that influence
0: yeah. the new Misswood. Yeah, I uh, I uh, visited. I've been to Ireland and, and Scotland a couple, three times. Uh, another place that I have visited that not many Americans visit, and that was uh, Australia, and played some of the courses in the Sandbelt near near Melbourne, and uh, I found some courses in in Australia that I just fell in love with, you know, Alter McKenzie courses, and I kind of like his bunkering. Course called Kingston Heath. I think that's just outside of Melbourne, if I'm not mistaken. I hope I'm right on that. Uh, fell in love with that course. So yeah, there were there were times when I would talk to Ray and say, "Hey, I, I've got some pictures that I took in Australia. I love this look." Uh, At other courses in uh, in Ireland and in Scotland. Um, yeah, so there's there's uh, there's something in Cruden Bay. I love Cruden Bay. A little course called Brora up uh, way up north uh, that I thought. My first thought was, why did I come all the way to Scotland for this funny little golf course? And then I fell in love with it. It's just this funny little thing with little fences around the, the greens to keep the uh, grazing animals off the greens. Crazy, crazy place. But uh, so a, a long answer to your question, yes.
1: So um, I believe you grew up in the area in Payless Heights and you you know still uh, yeah. live in the area, right?
0: Yeah, I live in Downers Grove. I grew up in Payless. Uh, I don't think you're old enough to remember. There was a course called Navajo Hills along the east edge of Palos. It was, uh, we moved there and then three or four years later, they subdivided it and built houses. It's on the, it's the site, which is now Trinity Christian college. In fact, uh, as well as a, uh, subdivision called of all things, Navajo Hills, uh, or Navajo. But, so I grew up across the street from the 13th T and, uh, uh, that's pretty much where I started playing golf. I played, uh, I played the Silver Lakes and the Cog Hills and the Glen Eagles and then uh, in high school competition played the the Flossmores and the Ravis Lows and Olympia Fields and so forth. Uh, so, yeah, pretty much a local, local kid. Didn't end up too far from where I started.
1: And then, obviously, I think one of the biggest things that we have as Chicago golfers that impacts us a lot is the fact that the, the golf season can be shorter here. So is that one of the reasons why you took that next step with the Performance Center and basically created something that's year-round, you know, where you could practice yeah, like that? Yeah,
0: yeah it, that, that and as well as uh, the clubhouse. The thing that kind of uh, was kind of a surprise here was we had the Performance Center all designed and was under construction, and then I learned that what was at that time called the Ditka Dome on Route 53 in uh, in uh was available. And uh, I had actually been thinking about buying a second golf course. I was looking at, uh, oh, my gosh, the course up in, in Woodstock. Uh, oh, my gosh, I can't, I can't think of the name of it. Bull Valley. I was oh. actually considering buying Bull Valley. Uh, and luckily for me, I think – Uh, the opportunity to buy the Ditka Dome came along and kind of took my attention away from Bull Valley to something that was more local. So we bought the Ditka Dome about three and a half years ago and completely gutted it, remodeled it, updated it, uh, renamed it, of course, to McHugh's, MCQ, Apache past F-E-S, which is uh, uh, two reasons for that. One of it sounds like McWethy's, because my MCW sounds like a Q when you pronounce it, and we feature barbecue. Uh, so, uh, that, that took my interest away and we, it made the, the need for the performance center a little bit less, but, uh, I have no regrets about the performance center. It is fantastic in the, uh, in the summer months and in the shoulder months. Uh, we're planning to close it for a couple of months this winter, but we, we also think we'll probably reopen it, uh, maybe in March or so. And there's a lot of people wanting to get ready for the golf season. Um, uh, so we, we kind of duplicate this, uh, this winter thing, but I have no regrets about it. It works out fabulously. And the Ditka Dome, old Ditka Dome, now McHugh's, uh, is is quite a rockin' little place. has great food as well. So uh, there's no dome you can go to that I know of uh, and whack golf balls, but also enjoy a, a, an excellent menu and excellent food. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you find that uh, McHugh's audience that you're able to kind of expose... <laughs> more people to the game of golf and then hopefully translate them over to mistwood in uh warmer weather
0: absolutely absolutely there's uh it's not in your face well maybe it's borderline in your face there's advertising for mistwood uh at at McHugh's and the some of the the targets uh to hit golf, golf balls that surprisingly are uh, the mistwood logo and yeah it's uh, we're we're they work really well together. They're only about maybe 12 minutes apart. Uh, and a lot of our uh, uh, people that, that come to play Mistwood learn about it through McHugh's. And obviously, it goes the other way around. Our uh, Mistwood members and our, and our players hang out at McHugh's a lot in the winter. In fact, if you're a member of Mistwood, uh, it entitles you to uh, privileges at McHugh's in the winter. Okay. We have about a hundred. We have about a hundred members at Mistwood right now. They're actually growing. It's actually a bit over hundred right now.
1: Let's talk a little bit about that then. Um, what what what's the possibility? What do what do members get at Mistwood? Because it's obviously available, open to the public, but I don't think right. many people realize this membership opportunities there.
0: Right. I mean, obviously, it's uh, if you play a lot of golf, there's an economic reason. Uh, it becomes less expensive, but that is not the important thing. There is a. a in many respects, the experience at, at Mistwood is pretty much uh, that of a private club. And the people that play on a daily fee basis, in effect, we're letting them onto a course that is uh, private club caliber, and private club caliber in, in every respect. So what we have, we have a lot of uh, events for members, and it's just a tremendous camaraderie. We have a wonderful bunch of members, uh, and they are good players. Uh, we're attracting, uh, membership is attracting people in many cases, that are leaving private clubs and they're coming to Mistwood. And uh, there's uh, there's tremendous interest right now. I don't know. We don't know at what point we're going to have more members than we want because we don't want it. Uh, I cannot see us becoming a private club, especially uh, being a private club in this market is extremely challenging. That's not my nature. It's not what I want. I want it to be accessible to the public, but, uh, uh, we have about a hundred, and it seems to be growing. We're picking up uh, several members a week, and they are in, in quite a few cases coming from private clubs. So it's uh, for a member at it, it, it Mistwood, it's pretty much as good or better than a private club experience at a truly 100% private club.
1: Let's talk a little bit then about um, your thoughts on growing the game of golf and, and attracting. You have this unique opportunity with McHugh's where you could get sort of people who maybe aren't that familiar with golf, expose them to the, the mm-hmm. golf dome that you have, but you also have this fantastic performance practice facility now at Mistwood. What are your thoughts on what it takes to kind of uh, cultivate the next generation of golfers and to get more people playing golf at, at a great place like yep. Mistwood?
0: Yeah, boy, is that a huge question, isn't it? I wish I knew the answer to that, but it is frustrating because we're, uh, we're trying to grow our business in a market that's, that's shrinking. And we, I, I want to look at it at two levels. I want to make Mistwood so good that it attracts, uh, members or, or players from, uh, from other courses. But the market, you know, the number of golfers is shrinking. And, uh, we, we do a lot for youth, a lot of youth programs. We have a thing called CAPS. Committed athlete program, uh, and more and more, uh, we are concentrating on uh, on youth golf. Probably one of the best programs in the in the area, uh, in my opinion, uh, for young players and in terms of getting them uh, college scholarships uh, and moving in that direction.
1: Now, have you? Do you think you've seen a change uh, since you became part owner of Mistwood, then became full owner? and took on McHugh's. Have you seen a change in golfers? Because, we, you know, like you said, it's a, it's been a struggle to get new golfers, yeah. but we have seen some success. You know, you've seen Top yeah. golf, you know, nationwide really blowing up. You've seen other things that are yeah. golfers bringing, yeah. you know, music out on the course. There have been these subtle changes yeah. that kind of might, do you think that's signaling a, a a bigger change in golf, or what are your thoughts?
0: I, I, I hope so. I hope it's bringing people in. Uh, I don't see uh, um, Topgolf being anything other than a you know a very very great slight competitor of ours, if, if at all. Uh, most of what we're seeing is uh, at Mistwood, is the quality of player is growing. We have uh, some very very fine players that are coming to our course, uh, whereas 15 years ago, uh, while the course was a wonderful golf course. Uh, it was attracting people that didn't didn't drive very far to get there now we have members that, that drive an hour uh to get to our place and we 're seeing people that are coming into town and they 're playing a couple of private clubs and they 're playing mistwood uh so it's it 's a whole whole different look even even the cars in the parking lot are different now we we see uh uh exotic cars in our parking lot that we never saw before. So uh, it's it's changing, but it's I don't want it to become an elite course that is that is only accessible to people that that have the money. Uh, I, I still want to see some Volkswagens and some some uh, Datsuns. I shouldn't say Datsuns, but Nissans in the uh, in the parking lot. But there's a definite difference in uh, uh, the the type of players over the past 15 years or so
1: so let's finish up then with uh, the final question i always like to ask and i think you're going to be perfect for this cuz your history of growing up here and everything but in addition yeah. to mistwood and you mentioned conway farms what are some other local golf courses that you really like and from your perspective as of an owner maybe courses that you respect the way they how they go about mm-hmm. it
0: mm i mean, it's it's uh first of all i i i think we are the best public course in the chicago area, but there's there's a little bit of bias there, but a number of people have said have said that. Uh, I like I like Cantini, uh, I like Harborside, um, I I like the Glen Club, um, and of course Dubs. I've not played the new Dubs, so I can't really offer an opinion. I, I love the old Dubs dread, but I'm not so sure that I will like the new Dubs as much as I like the old. Um, on private clubs, I uh, I love the Dunes Club up in New Buffalo. It's just a wonderful, refreshing little course. I love Shore Acres. I love Chicago Golf Club. Uh, That's sort of, and you can kind of tell by by the names or or the courses that I pick. uh, A lot of them are pretty linksy type golf courses and uh, very traditional type golf courses. That's uh, that's my. I don't love. I love. I don't love tricked up new golf courses. This has been the Chicago Golf Report podcast visit chicagogolfreport.com right now for exclusive discount offers chicago golf news and in-depth event listings